This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Jeremiah chapter 1, and so we are on our series, which we've entitled the, the GPS, Giving, Praying, and Serving. And actually, as a number of years ago, they asked me some of the main things that begin to change in my life as a believer, and it was when I began to give consistently. When I begin to pray, discipline to do that, and then I begin to serve. And so this is how this, this series was birthed, and so I, I believe it's significant for every one of us. And so today, we're on this serving part, and literally it means to accept your assignment. That every one of us in here have an assignment for God or a task to advance God's kingdom here on earth. And you may say, well, where is that biblically? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this, I saved you and I called you with a holy calling. So when you look at that verse, if you're saved, then you're called. Okay, There's no ways around it. And so that's what we want to highlight today because God needs you. God works through man here on earth. So we begin in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse number 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's a powerful statement. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, I set you apart. I ordained you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. One who is called to be a spokesman. The, the message says, that's what I had in mind for you. Now, it's interesting right there in verse 5 that he uses the word you four times. And so when I read this, I, I personally believe that he's speaking this to every one of us because he formed every one of us. And he knew every one of us before we were ever in our mother's womb. Keep reading here, verse number 5, verse 6. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And so Jeremiah immediately claims inadequacy and inexperience. It's like saying, uh, you, you can't be speaking this to me. you got to be kidding how, how could you use me? And so when he responds there with the thought, I can't speak for I am a youth. Do you think God said, well, okay then, I won't ever use you. No, that's not what he says. Look what God says to him. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, he gives three demands to Jeremiah. And if you look at the first one, he said, stop voicing your disqualifications. Quit it. Stop it. The second one, he says, is speak obediently to God's bidding. You become the voice of the Lord. And the last one that he talked about is refuse to fear. 
And so I believe that's important for every one of us. Quit saying things that God didn't want you to say about yourself. Verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Woo, I put the word of God in your mouth. See? I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And so God's word is dynamic. It's a creative force that it will accomplish his purpose. But when I got to the part there where it says to root out and pull down, to destroy, that, that is cross-reference into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. And it says, the weapons of our flesh are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds and also for casting down arguments and every thought that, that bring itself against the knowledge of God. And so part of our assignment is to pull down strongholds. Part of our assignments is, is, is to speak the word of God where we come to a place and we obey what the word of God says. But it's interesting here, he wanted to use this guy named Jeremiah. So when I look at this, God has purpose in mind for you. He has a task, an assignment for you, every one of us in here. God's purposes and God's plans. Do I say yes to them? What God makes of his people depends on their response. Why? What God makes of his people depends upon their response. And when I look at the word servant and minister, those are synonyms. Just as service and ministry are, they go together. Now, turn with me into the New Testament to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter number 12. And as you're going there, I want to quote a speech from Dr. or a phrase from Dr. Martin Luther King. And Dr. King said this, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by surface. <laughs> that was real good. And so what, what, what I loved about Dr. King, it wasn't his speeches, it was his actions. And actions speak larger, larger than our, our words anytime. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you. The New Living says, I plead with you. Therefore, therefore, therefore. And I believe with the therefore, he's, he's asking us to respond appropriately. I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. The brethren here are the ones that are born again. That's us. If you're, if you're a child of God, if Jesus is, you're a brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, I'm, I'm looking at this passage here where it has the phrase, by the mercies of God. And I, I just sat there one morning, I don't know for how many minutes, and I meditated on that by the mercies of God. And, and, and I allowed it just to begin to soak into my life. And at that very minute, you know what I realized? Man, God's been very merciful to me. 
And you know what one of the definitions of mercy is? You don't get what you deserve. Has God been merciful to you? Wow. By the mercies of God. Ooh, I don't know about you, but God's mercies and his grace are incredible. So he goes on with the mercies of God, and there's a comma, and he says, then after that, because of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. And, and how am I to present my body? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. He didn't say a dead sacrifice. He didn't say a lifeless sacrifice. He said a living sacrifice. To, to joyfully give myself as a living sacrifice for God's cause. And if it's about God's cause, it's always going to be toward other people. I'm to give my life as a living sacrifice. Holy. That word holy there, it, it means that I'm, I'm set apart, a separation to God, acceptable to God, the kind of, of sacrifice that God will find acceptable, which is your reasonable service, which is my reasonable service. What that literally means there, it means to render, to give service, to actually do something. And so when you look at what he begins to talk about here, anytime we render service unto God, now listen real close to this thought. Anytime I do anything for the kingdom of God, it's an act of worship. Anytime I serve, it's an act of worship. And I don't think we realize that when, when we serve in any capacity, it, it's like we're saying, Father God, we love you so much. We honor you so much. You've been so merciful to me. I want to touch others' hearts. Now, here's the next question off of that. When it comes to service in your life, how is the act of worship to God in that area? How would God view that? Because when I look at all this and it said we are to be a living sacrifice. The greatest example of a living sacrifice to every one of us was the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus, he, he, he gave his life. Everything within him. He served. He died, and he died in more than one way. Yes, Jesus died physically, but he died also to self. And you know what he said? I, 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 I prefer other people. And so when I look at the words that Jesus was a living sacrifice, that he gave, that he served, and he died, do any of those words, do any of those verbs, do they describe me? Do they describe my life here? Turn with me just a couple pages to Romans chapter 14. See what happens with every one of us. Impression without expression will ultimately lead to depression. And so in my life, when I begin to impress with what God has done for me, that impression causes an expression. 
Something happens within me, but if I don't release that within me, that's why I believe at times people get depressed because you know what? The focus is inwardly. It's all about me. Look how bad my life, look how tough it is. But when I change my focus and I look to other people, whether that's in servanthood or praying, man, it changes the complete picture. Romans 14, verse number 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. Now in Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, for me to live is for Christ. That's my purpose for living is for Christ. And so he says here, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. I'm God's. Verse 9, for this end Christ died and he rose and he lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now when we see there standing before the judgment seat of Christ, that judgment will be based on what I've done in this life. Now, it will not determine whether or not I go into heaven, but it will determine what kind of rewards I'm going to have in heaven. And so when you get this picture right here, he's saying every one of us, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And God's going to ask, what did you do? A personal account. What did you do with your time and your energy while I was on the earth? Did I, did I use that for anybody? Did I help anybody? And I believe on that judgment seat day, there'll be a lot of people that will start saying, but, 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 but. But on that day, the judgment seat, we go before them. Those excuses and the procrastination and even the selfishness are going to have to be explained to Father God. And service is where you're needed at the moment for every one of us. And greatness in the kingdom of God is not how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. Service, where I get that in my heart. And he goes on to say in verse 11, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. And that becomes our goal in servanthood is to try to serve people where they say, man, I, I got to have Jesus. I want to turn to him. Verse 12. So then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. Who will? Each of us. Now I want to highlight that because where it talks about there, each of us shall give an account that's cross-reference to Acts 20, verse 35. I want you to remember that each of us shall give an account for God because that's the last scripture I'm going to use today. But I want you to keep that thought. Now, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 20. Matthew 20. And when you look at this, it's about service. It's not about status. And so the first one we're going to look at here, and I'm going to look at, at, at two people within our lives today. The first one is our Lord and Savior Jesus. Matthew 20 is where you're going. And I thought when you look at the Lord Jesus, 
He's the model. He's the standard. He's who I look to on my assignment here on earth. Now, leading up to where I'm going to start in this, the, the sons of Zebedee, which was James and John, their mother asked the Lord Jesus, she said, when we get into your kingdom, will you allow my boys to live one on your left hand and one on the right? And Jesus said, hey, listen, mama, it's not up to me to decide that. That's Father God. But if you study the, the, the sons, James and John, James was the first apostle to be martyred. John in his life was exiled and heavily persecuted and ultimately he was martyred. And so we have that thought now. We pick up right after she asked him these questions in verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the world, they lord it over them. They throw their weight around. And those who are great exercise authority or power over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So what he was getting here, the world's concept of greatness is defined by high positions. But the greatness in the kingdom of God had to do with sacrificial service. And so true greatness in the kingdom of God is only measured by servants. And so what he was doing here, there was a sharp contrast between the Gentiles and, and what Jesus says or his, expect, his expectation for his servants. He was saying, this is what I desire for you. This is what the world will tell you. But this is my desire for you. Verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now these were the Lord Jesus' words. And when you see let him be your slave, you know what he's saying? Literally, give your life. Now look at how he models this in verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Lord Jesus, I didn't come to be waited upon, but to serve. I, I, I came to serve. And Jesus himself, he, he provided the, the highest standard of service. And look what it says. To give his life a ransom. A price was paid for many. And so when you see this right here, it had to do with service and sacrifice in his life. It's not how well I rule, but it's how well I serve. And when I looked at this, here's some of the thoughts that begin to come. Do you think only Jesus served when it was convenient? Do you think Jesus picked and chose when or when he wouldn't serve? See, what you begin to see here in this is Jesus understood what it meant to, to deny himself. Self-denial is at the core of, of servanthood. And it is always interesting to me. The Lord Jesus says this. I didn't come to be served. And so again, I look at this and this is the model. 
This is the standard that the Lord Jesus set. And every one of us in this, I'm going to live by some type of a standard. I'm going to live by man's standards or I'll come to a place in my life and say, I'm going to live by Jesus' standard. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And I know I'm giving you a bunch of scripture again today. Ephesians chapter 6. And when I talk about servanthood, it's, it's not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Where it's not, it's not about my life, it's about how many people can I influence for the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter number 6. And this is the second person I want to highlight. And I'll get to him on, on the next set of scripture. But this is the apostle Paul talking. Outside of Jesus, I think he may have been the greatest example of a, of a servant there is. Ephesians 6 verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ or as to serving Christ. And so when you see here my service to Christ himself, and you're going to hear me repeat this several times through this passage, i got to get to a place in my life where I do it as unto the Lord. Now, if I start having the mindset, I'm going to do this as unto the Lord, it will begin to put a spirit of excellence on you. Where you say, man, I, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, I'm not driven by convenience. I, I'm not doing this out of obligation. I'm doing this out of opportunity. And when I begin to do things as unto the Lord, and I want to highlight this, this is in everyday life. When I go to work, if I would do it as unto the Lord, it changes everything. He goes on to say this, verse 6, not with eye service, a person that's addicted to attention, as men pleasers, performance, the applause and the approval of man. But as bondservants of Christ, there it is again, doing the will of God from the heart. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart again. If I begin to serve God in any capacity and I do it from the heart, it changes everything. Changes my attitude when I wake up and say, Father God, I, I get to do this unto you. Verse 7. With good will, Doing service. One translation says, readily doing service. And I highlight the word doing. Doing means it's action. i got to absolutely step out and begin to doing something. And he says there, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Powerful. So when I look at verse 7, it's not just what I do. And it's not just why I do it. But it's to whom are you doing it? Do you do this as unto the Lord in the area of, of your serving? And so when, when we begin to get that in our heart, man, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Even when I come in here into worship, when I do it from my heart, not the approval of man, not the, man, something happens. And so to do it from your heart, it'll go against the flow of the world. 
The world doesn't want to hear that. Verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or is he free. Let me read that again. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from who? From the Lord. So what you begin to see right here off of verse number 8, there is a reward or a blessing attached to it. But in other words, in order for the Lord to bless me like this, God's got to see. He's watching whatever one of us do. And he looks at our servanthood, and he looks at the why behind it and the whom behind it, and all that adds up. But when I do it as unto the Lord, there's a blessing attached to it. Every time you, you serve, even in this house, on a Sunday or Wednesday, there's a blessing attached to it. And so I look at this passage and I begin to think, okay, how am I doing? Do I do it for the approval of man? Or do I say, oh, Father God, I need you. I, I, I welcome you in this area. And so when I look at this, servanthood is a very uh, vital part of every one of us in here, our character curriculum. And you know what part of your character curriculum is? It'll have to do with your commitment. Am I trustworthy? Am I dependable? Am I faithful? And when I use words like that, they have become less and less in our society. It's a rare quality within our society because our society is, what about me? What about, what do I get out of this? But when I give to, begin to serve from a heart to please God, man, something happens. God pays attention. And what I see is sometimes the most significant service that goes on is the unseen surface. The behind the scenes surface. The children hallways. The upstairs. And when I think about those areas, many times we want to overlook at them, we want to downplay them. I think they should be the, some of the highest form of applause to say, thank you. But when people serve like that, they didn't come for a, a, a thank you. They say, I'm doing it from my heart. And I heard this years ago, after a service, they asked the pastor, they said, how many salvations did you have today? And he said, 20 and a half. And they said, 20 adults and a child. And he said, no, 20 children and an adult. And they said, why do you explain it that way? And he said, because that old person, his life is halfway over. Those young ones got a whole set of life in front of them. But something happens when I say, man, I want to make a difference. And if God was just looking for perfect people, no one would ever sign up. Jeremiah, he questioned himself. You go back and you study Moses' life. Moses he questioned himself. I got, a, I got a stuttering problem, Lord. A guy named Gideon. He questioned himself. He actually said to the angel, you got the wrong man. And so if you think you got to be perfect in these areas, you're missing it already. Again, God just looks for a heart. It says, I, I, I want to put my hands on people. I want to encourage them with the word of God. I just want to love people. And so this is what we're getting over with, and I'll end in this. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 20. 
Acts chapter 20. You know, you think about this in your life. There had to be somebody significant in your life that began to point you toward the things of God. You know, they, they say most people in this earth, they give their heart to Jesus before they're 18. I believe it's 80% of all will give their heart to, toward Jesus, to Jesus before they're 18. You know what I see in that statement? We've got to get them while they're young. We've got to go after them while they're young. Because when you begin to study things, the, the world targets nine-year-olds now. The music industry targets nine-year-olds. The, the pornography industry is targeting toward ten-year-olds. And so they're, they're being bombarded with stuff right now. And so I, I applaud anyone that works in our children's ministries. I think it's one of the greatest things. We, our youth. So we start here in the book of Acts chapter 20. And I'm going to start in verse 17 because I want to get, get, for you to get the Apostle Paul's heart in this, okay? Verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and he called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. What manner I always lived among you. In other words, I, I didn't change. I, I was the same person all the time. I was under a microscope, I believe. But he said, I, I never changed. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, humble-mindedness, a humble attitude, unselfish. The concern for the welfare of others is what that means right there, humility. And again, that's what he said. He said, I served. I served for God. I served for the Lord Jesus with the robe of humility, with many tears. Adversity and trials or afflictions which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Verse 20. How I kept nothing or how I kept back nothing that was helpful. I didn't shrink back. I didn't give up. I didn't say, this is too hard. I don't like people getting mad. He said, I didn't shrink back one bit. I kept on. But proclaimed it to you. And I taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and all to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies or affirms in every city that chains, jail, prison, and tribulations, sufferings awake me. Now most of us in this room for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus. We've never been thrown in jail. Is there anyone in this room who's ever been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel? But he kept on. And then he talked about afflictions. And we may have a little bit of persecution. 
we may have people get mad at us a little bit. But when this guy talked about afflictions and persecutions, you begin to hear his heart. I, I, I don't care what's happened in my life. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to tell the truth. And in verse 24, now listen real close. This is one of the verses I want to get to. But none of these things move me. None of them. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. You know what he just said there? My life's not about me. It's not about what I want and do. I don't count my life dear to me or myself so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry or the assignment, the task, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, to the grace of God. So when you look at this right here, he said, I consider my life useless if I don't finish the race. And in finishing the race, if you get what he said also, that I got to complete the ministry or my assignment or the work that was assigned to me. That was his ultimate goal. But he throws a little word in there that really got me. Let me read it again. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry. Tucked right in there with finishing the race and completing his task or his assignment. He said, I, I did it with joy. I, I did it with joy. And when you look at this, the persecutions, the imprisonment, the chains, the beatings. He, he said, I did it with joy. You know why he could say he did it with joy? Because joy is not manufactured outwardly. Joy is manufactured inwardly. God's joy is what comes on. Joy has nothing to do with what's happening around me. Joy is something that gets birthed in my heart. So something happens when we begin to welcome the joy of the Lord. Grace me with joy today, Father God. I, I, I want your... And so again, joy is not based on my circumstances. Too many people have the thought, my joy is based on outward circumstances. Well, if I get to go to the Bahamas, then I'll be joyful. No, no, you've missed it. There was a joy in him that says, you know what? I'm going to finish the race and the ministry, my assignment, my task, which unto the Lord God. And so when we look at this again, here's, here's two thoughts that come from this. Most people, when we talk about servanthood, they'll have this thought. Well, what do I get out of it? It's not what I get out of it. It's what I get to give into it. It becomes a heart that gives. Verse 35. And I told you back there in Romans 14, 12. Remember, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. This is the verse this cross references us to. Listen to verse 35. I have shown you in every way. I've modeled it to you in every way. Every way. By laboring. It's interesting that he uses the word laboring. He didn't say by just showing up. He said by actually laboring like this, that you must support the weak. 
He didn't say if it was convenient. He didn't say if you got a good night. He said, you must support or take care of the weak. And when I look at that, how would we define weak? I believe the way our society is going right now, it breaks Father God's heart into two to see what's happening to the children of this earth right now. And I can highlight a couple things again. We're we're to take care of the orphans. We're to take care of the fatherless. And I, I, I don't know if some of you saw what took place in the state of New York last week. And if you didn't, let me, let me briefly share it with you. With a standing ovation, Governor Mario Cuomo signed into law that they could abort children as late as they want to. Can you imagine what that did to Father God's heart? I mean, when I hear stuff like that, to think, there, here's, here's the birth of an innocent child that has done nothing wrong, but in a matter of seconds, I can either die or live? And we applaud? And so when I see we're to take care of the weak, it's, it's the weak physically, it's the, weak, the ones who can't take care of themselves. And he goes on to say this, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than receive. And I believe those are some of the words that me and you will face on the judgment seat. How well did you do in the area of blessing instead of receiving? And so when you look at what he's talking about, it indicates that the giver takes on the character of our Lord and Savior Jesus whose nature is to give. And he didn't say this here, that it would be natural or it would be easy, but he did say it would be more blessed. Wow. Ooh, pass is tough, isn't it? I just want us to have a passion. Just to have a passion. Just the joy to say, Lord, I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And so when I, 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 I look at all this, when we come to church on Sundays, which we describe now as our Sabbath, ever since the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus, he was raised from the dead on Sunday. That's when the Christian church has had their church, okay? So I'm not here to plot against Saturday or Sunday. So we come together as a, on a Sunday, and it's like I'm, I'm giving God the first fruits of my week. Sunday's the first day of the week. And so I have the opportunity on the first day of the week to come in here and I can give my first fruits of my resources. But what about giving the first fruits of my time? And what about giving the first fruits of my talent? Because I believe this that what we make happen for God, God will make happen for you. And when we begin to say, Father God, I'm, I'm coming in here. I'm, I'm coming to, to, to serve. I'm coming to give. And so again, I, I don't want to let this, I don't want to let this disappoint Jesus. I don't want to look at him one day and say, I didn't live by your standards. 
So when you look at all this, whose standards are we living by? And we can try to fool ourselves, we can try to make excuses, but again, God sees. And God knows. And God rewards. And I want to tell all of you that serve in any capacity, thank you. And again, we try to tell you thank you, but understand this, if we miss you, don't think your job's not important because guess what? You would rather God see you, what you're doing from your heart, than me tell you thank you, okay? Because God's the one who will bless you and he'll take care of you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.